You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. I'm Kenny Ortiz. This is Theology for the Rest of Us coming at you from the beautiful sunshine state of Florida. Thanks for listening. So glad to have you. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for allowing me to have a voice in your life. I am so grateful for you. This is episode 228 and we're going to be talking about demon possession. Um, I think this is a valuable topic to tackle because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding um, in a lot of a lot of Christian circles today around the topic of demon possession and just really around the supernatural realm uh, in general. Uh, this uh, this uh, episode was inspired by an email I got from a regular listener by the name of James. A really encouraging email. Let me read to you uh, a portion of James's email. He says this. Um, he says, "Hi Kenny, my wife and I listen to your podcast every week. Thank you for how God is using you to equip the saints." Let me pause there, James, and just say. Hey man, thanks for being a regular listener. Thanks for your encouragement. So glad the podcast has been uh, helpful and insightful for you and your wife. So super stoked about that. Uh, let me continue in the email. He says this, my question is on demon possession. My pastor preached on the man in the tombs in Luke chapter 8, uh, 26 to 39. And he said that the man was not demon possessed, but the writers were, mis- were mistaken. and He was actually mentally ill. He also said the same in 1 Samuel 16 about Saul being tormented by evil spirits. My confusion is that later Jesus sends the demons into pigs. He is saying, is he saying that Jesus sent mental illness into the pigs? So my questions are, were those instances in the Bible where demons or were demons tormented or possessed people, were they actually mental illness? Does demon possession exist today? Uh, James, this is a great, great question. I really appreciate you bringing this table, bringing this to the table. Um, now, I don't know James's pastor. Obviously, I've never met them, uh, never met his pastor. I actually sent James an email today asking him to put me in contact with his pastor because I'd love to, I'd love to connect with his pastor um, and ask him why he believes what he believes. You know, why, why does James's pastor say? That in Luke chapter 8, the man that was demon-possessed actually wasn't demon-possessed, that he was actually just mentally ill. Um, I, I, With all due respect to James's pastor, I, I simply disagree. Um, I, I'm not sure where he's getting that or why he believes that. When you read it in the English, it's pretty clear this man was demon-possessed. And when you and when you study it in the original Greek uh, language that it was written in, um, it's, it's even actually even more clear. Um, when you read Luke chapter 8, it's describing a man that was clearly possessed by a demonic spirit or had been, you know, ha- had a demonic evil spirit living on the inside of him, influencing him. Um, let me read a little read a little bit to you from Luke chapter 8. It says, uh, talking about Jesus, he was headed to this location. As soon as he steps out of a boat onto land, there's this man who's demon possessed who immediately comes up to him. It says that as soon as his, as soon as he landed, or as soon as he hit the land, he met a man who was demon possessed. For a long time, this man had been homeless and naked, living in the tombs outside of the town. Uh, let me just stop there for a second. I mean, it's pretty clear. The Bible is very clear. Jesus meets a man who was possessed by a demon. I don't, I don't know how else to. 
I don't know how you get mental illness out of that. That is, that's just not accurate. Again, with all due respect to James's pastor or anyone else out there who may believe that, it's just simply, it's factually inaccurate. Uh, verse 28 says, as soon as, as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and he fell down in front of him. And then he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. Verse 29 says this, uh, for Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. The spirit had often taken control of the man, even when he was placed under guard and put in the chains and shackles, he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness, completely under the demon's power. So Jesus arrives in this particular location. He meets a man who had been demon-possessed. The man runs to Jesus and falls down in front of him and he's yelling and he's you know making crazy noises and he says jesus son of the most high god don't torture me please don't torture me because the evil spirit knows that he is wrong and bad and that jesus could torture him if he wanted to because jesus has the authority to do that but jesus doesn't torture the demon he just casts him out and gets him out of the man um and now the man is set free from this evil spirit. Um, and, and the Bible makes it very clear that this man uh, was not only demon-possessed, but he was influenced by this demon, and he had been influenced by him uh, for a really long time, and it seemingly had an effect on his life. He lived sort of this sub-human lifestyle, right? He lived out um, in the tombs, basically in a, in a cemetery, for a, you know, to use a contemporary you know, context. Um, he lived like a wild animal in the caves and out in the wilderness, and, 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 and this demon seemed to be able to give him to give him supernatural strength and occasionally apparently he would be locked up or chained up maybe for his own protection or his own good and he would just this demon this demon would give him the power to just break open these chains um you know when you when you read this passage of scripture it's pretty clear what it's talking about it's demon possession it's demon oppression it's demon influence um and i think anyone who is saying that this is not actually an evil spirit, but it's nothing more than mental illness. I think I think you're falsely conflating mental illness with demon possession, um, which, in my opinion, is insensitive and simply inaccurate. Um, demon possession and mental illness are not the same thing. They are different. Now, mental illness, some of the time, might be caused by demon possession, but it's not always caused by demon possession, um, and they're not the same thing. Again, you're conflating these two things, and I think it potentially amplifies a, a stigma that exists in Christian circles and in churches, a, a stigma that is inaccurate. And there's people out there that are dealing with mental illness that are now, if they hear a sermon like that, it's going to make them believe that they're less than. There's, there's, again, it's going to amplify a stigma. They're going to they're going to think. They're gonna. It's gonna make them feel uncomfortable. I. I just think again, it's inaccurate and it's insensitive. Um, as for First Samuel sixteen, with Paul, or excuse me, with Saul, uh, the king Saul of Israel, um, who was tormented by evil spirits. Again, when you read it both in the English and in the original language, the Hebrew, it is. It's very clear. It's demonic spirits that are attacking Saul. His his mind, his heart, his soul, maybe even his physical physical body, um, but definitely the way that Paul. Oh, excuse me, I keep saying Paul by accident. It's Saul, not Paul. Different dude. Um, Saul, the king of Israel. It's it's obvious that these evil spirits were tormenting him. They were attacking him and the way he thinks, the way he was thinking, the way he made decisions. So he would make bad decisions because he was being tormented by these by these demonic spirits. I mean, there's plenty of other examples in the scriptures where there's demons influencing people. Um, 
we see in in Luke 13, um, there's this woman who has an evil spirit on her, and it causes her to have a crooked back. Um, in, in her particular case, she had a problem with her back. Maybe maybe if she went to a doctor today, they would say she had scoliosis, or they would say you have a, a herniated disc, or they would say you have some muscle spasm, right? They would come up with some physical you know, uh, a diagnosis, which might be realistic in her, you know, in some cases. Um, but I think potentially in this scenario, they would be misdiagnosing her because it's very clear in the scripture that the physical ailment she had, the, the back problem she had, or the sickness that she was dealing with was not caused by a physical issue. It was caused by a demonic spirit. Now I want to make it very clear. Not all sickness is caused by demonic spirits, right? If I sit down tonight and I eat two dozen donuts in one sitting, I might get sick, right? I might vomit. That's that's a natural problem because my stomach's not going to feel good because I packed it full of donuts and sugar, right? Um, it's not a demon that's causing the sickness. That's a it's a natural sickness. So sometimes sickness is caused by natural things, but sometimes they're caused by spiritual things, and we can't ignore that. Um, listen, if you meet someone who has a bellyache, it doesn't mean they're demon-possessed, but it also means you shouldn't rule it out. Okay? Like, it may be physical, it may be demonic. We don't know. I think in some cases it's physical, in some cases it could be spiritual. I think another great example of this is Luke 22. Judas himself was possessed by Satan, and Satan influenced him to do evil. Um, does that mean that everyone who does an evil thing is possessed by a demon? Of course not. Absolutely not. But if someone does something evil, is it plausible that they're possessed by a demon? Well, absolutely it's possible, right? We're seeing a precedent for it in Luke 22, right? When people talk about some of the most horrible things we've seen in human history, right? Some of the incredible genocides that have happened, uh, we, you know, the Holocaust, um, you know, just major wars that have happened, things like uh, uh, abuse, slavery, molestation. I mean, there's all these different evil things that happen in the world today. And sometimes we wonder, how is it possible that humans can be so evil to one another? Well, I think in some cases it's because of demon possession or demon oppression or, or a demon that's influencing someone's life. Sometimes it's just that human's own sin and their own depravity, but sometimes it's a spiritual demonic force influencing them. Now, you're, if, you, if you choose to do an evil thing, it's still you're still the one making the choice, but it's maybe a demonic spirit that is that is trying to convince you and sway you, kind of sell you on the idea, and, and, and you're being convinced to choose to do something evil because of the demonic influence that might be there. Um, again, sometimes it may be natural, sometimes it's not. Um, another example is Acts 16. There was a, a young slave girl who had an evil spirit in her and it gave her the ability to be psychic. And as soon as the, the demon was cast out, she lost the ability to be psychic. Now, does that mean that everyone who's a psychic is demon-possessed? No. In fact, I think most psychics aren't actually psychic. I think they're, most of them are just frauds and fake. I think the vast majority are that. Uh, again, they're just fake. But some... Um, might legitimately be demon-possessed. They may have a, a demon who, because the demon's in the spiritual realm, can see things around and therefore is giving the psychic information. I think it's plausible that psychics might be real in their psychic powers, but it's because they are being influenced by a demon, and if you engage with that psychic person and you listen to their advice and what they're saying, you potentially could open yourself up to being influenced by a demon. Again, that would not be a good thing, right? Um, I think some psychics, though, are just really good at guessing, 
Like, maybe they're just really good at reading people and reading situations. Maybe they're just really smart. They know how to be manipulative, you know, and they know how to kind of say the right things that seem like they're psychic. Kind of like that TV show, that USA show, Psych, where the guy's um, supposedly a psychic detective, but he's actually not psychic. He's kind of just a fake, but he's just because he's really good at guessing things or observing things. Um, I think I think a lot of psychics are like that. I think they're just kind of fraudulent. They're fake. Maybe they're good at manipulating or just kind of good at guessing things, and they appear to be psychic. But maybe some other psychics are actually psychic because they're demon-possessed. Again, I don't want to assume that everyone's in the same boat, but there is a clear biblical precedent that we should not ignore. Is it possible that someone who has mental illness or depression or anxiety, is it possible that it's being caused by demon possession? Of course, absolutely, it's possible. But but is it absolute? No, it might not. Sometimes mental illness and depression and anxiety are caused by physical issues, like a chemical imbalance or a hormonal imbalance in your body or in your brain. It might not be spiritual at all. So to conflate demon possession with mental illness feels, again, just feels inaccurate. It feels insensitive. Um, and, and I feel like, that's all I can say. It's just, it's insensitive and it's inaccurate. Um, I actually covered this extensively back in episode 71. I answered the question, you know, is mental illness caused by demon possession? And I made it clear the answer is sometimes yes, sometimes no. Um, again, the idea that there's no demons doing anything or that there's no examples of demons in the Bible, it's just an odd assessment of the scripture. So with all due respect to James's pastor, um, I hate to speak negatively of him because I never met, you know, never met this guy. But I just, I just got to say, it's it's biblically inaccurate to say that that there wasn't demon possession going on here. I do, I do believe that demons were at work in the scripture, and I still believe they're at work today. Why do I say that? Well, because it clearly happened in the Bible, and there's nothing in the Bible that tells us that it stopped. So unless the Bible tells us it stopped, I got to assume that it kept going. That's the most rational, uh, most faithful assumption to make when it comes to this topic. Also, I'll tell you this. I've been all around the world. Um, I've been on 40 different short-term mission trips in my life. I've seen some weird, crazy, supernatural stuff, mostly in other countries. Um, and it's, I, think it's, I think it's because in other countries, they're kind of more in touch and more open to the spiritual realm and to supernatural things. He, those of us who live here in the United States or li- we live in Western cultures, we are more influenced by the philosophy of naturalism, that there's always a natural reason or a natural explanation, and therefore we ignore the supernatural. Um, but, but in other cultures where they're more open to the supernatural realm and they, they're, really, they're kind of in touch with it and they think about it and they can kind of recognize it better, particularly in Hindu and Buddhist cultures, um, again, they're more open and more in touch with supernatural stuff in general, we see a lot more manifestation of supernatural stuff. And also, when you're in some of those regions of the world, you can just sense it. You feel it in your spirit that there's something different. There are places in Asia, particularly in India, where I've been to, where you just sense the darkness. You walk into that city or that community and you know there is demonic presence here. Um, and I've seen some people that I am convinced were demon-possessed and they did and they did and said some very weird, what I would just say are evil or weird, very odd things. Much like this man in Luke 8 kind of did and said some weird things to Jesus. I've experienced some of that myself. If anyone is really interested in hearing more about that, feel free to shoot me an email. We can correspond about that and kind of tell you some of those stories. But from my perspective, 
um, both biblically and from my own personal experience. Demonic spirits are real. They're all around around us. They're seeking to attack us and influence us and to to cause uh, uh, you know to wreak havoc in our lives and cause problems in our lives. But um, listen, there's no need to fear because we have the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, "Greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world." Listen, they are very real, and we shouldn't mess around with demonic stuff. We shouldn't open ourselves up to it. But we also don't have to be afraid of it because the power of God is with us. I do believe if you mess around with demonic stuff, you could open yourself up to it. Like We're not told in scripture exactly how someone opens themselves up to demon possession. Um, but in Judas's case, you know, in the case of Judas, he, the Bible tells us that he opened himself up to it through his own greed. We see that in John chapter 12. So it's possible that if someone allows their lives and their heart to be ruled and governed by habitual sin, it's possible that that may turn into an invitation for a demon to enter into your life or enter into your soul and to end up controlling you or at least influencing you to some extent. If you mess around with the occult or spiritual things or evil, negative spiritual things, the supernatural realm, if you mess around with that sort of stuff and you engage with it, or if you're living with a bunch of sin in your life, you potentially are opening the door to allowing demons to come in and have some sort of power in your life. Um, I think that's potentially how you become demon-possessed. Again, it's not clear, but I will tell you what is clear. That if you trust in Christ and you seek after Jesus, he can cast out that those demonic forces that are trying to attack you. The, the devil and his goon squad. D Jesus has authority over those. If you cultivate an intimate friendship with Christ and you're seeking after Jesus, I believe the Holy Spirit will come inside of you, will dwell inside of you, and will, will push out the demonic forces that, have, that are maybe there. I believe the Holy Spirit will guide you and protect you. I'd encourage you, if you've messed around with spirits, pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to break those things, to get those things out of your life, to cast out demonic oppression. Go to your pastors, maybe a Christian counselor, and have them pray over you and ask the Holy Spirit to, 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 to rid your life and your soul of potentially any unclean spirit that may have influence over your life. Listen, the demonic forces are very real. They're powerful. They're influential. But you don't have to be afraid if you are in touch with the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit of God is far more powerful than any evil, unclean spirit that may seek to attack you. Yes, the devil and his goon squad, the demonic principalities, yes, they are real, but you do not need to fear if you are a follower of Christ. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I hope this has been helpful and insightful. James, thank you so much again for being a regular listener of the podcast. Uh, if you have any questions, I'd love to connect with you, and I hope to be able to connect with your pastor. For everyone else, if you have a question or a topic that you want me to address on a future episode of the podcast, maybe you've heard a sermon uh, that you're not so sure about and you want me to you know, dive into that, just like I did for, for James here, I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to shoot me an email or find me on Twitter. My email address is heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. Or on Twitter, you can find me at Kenneth Ortiz. That's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. To ensure that you never miss an episode of the podcast, make sure you subscribe in your Apple Podcast Player or in any of your favorite podcast players. That'll guarantee that every episode gets delivered directly to your device. 
And if the podcast has been a blessing to you in any way whatsoever, please do me a huge favor. Head on over to iTunes or your favorite podcast directory. Leave us a five-star rating and a great review. Those reviews are a big, big help to the show because they help us reach more people. Thanks again for listening. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us.